welcome to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast, ClearedCast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates in our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. And thank you for tuning in to this episode of ClearedCast, your security clearance careers podcast. I'm Katie, editorial comms manager with clearancejobs.com. And today I'm joined by Lauren Buida, who is the CEO and founder of Girls Security. It's a great organization. I'm so happy to have you all on the line. Um, but in February of this year, you were actually named one of 50 women that are making the world a better place by InStyle Magazine, which sounds like a huge honor. And I know that Girls Security really is. So today we're going to talk about the organization. We're going to talk about the strides that they're making for a better represented workforce within national security. It's a very important topic to clearancejobs.com. Um, we're all going to, also going to talk about how we can continue that mission for the next generation of girls that are entering the field, uh, national security, entering STEM roles. Uh, so Lauren, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Sure. So let's talk about the history of girl security. And I'd love to know personally what your why was for starting the organization. Yeah, I absolutely. I had um, I had the idea for girl security about 15 years ago. And really, uh, there there's kind of a couple of reasons why I ultimately started it a bit later on in life. But the first of which was I went to school for political science and didn't learn a whole lot about national security. And so the kind of primary impetus was just wanting to create a space where young people could learn about what national security meant. Um, and then my brother was deployed to Iraq. So I was working uh, as a national security policy analyst right after college in 2002, uh, 2003, and so forth. And so my brother was deployed. And so I had this kind of personal connection to uh, the war. And um, and I, you know, like many people from a public facing perspective, uh, felt frustrated with, with the war and not really understanding why we went or what was happening. And so that kind of further motivated my interest in starting Girl Security. And then, of course, the representation of women wasn't shifting, you know, over the 10 year period that I was kind of taking note. And uh, so I sort of combined all of those things together to create an organization that started engaging girls sooner at the high school level when they're already grounded in things like civics and history. And there's kind of a natural, um, a natural entry point for them to be thinking about what security means. Sure. Uh, well, and what a time to be starting an organization within national security alone, um, you know, after the, um, you know, the attacks, the 9-11 attacks, um, I know that that was sort of a motivating factor for myself and getting into the field of national security and obviously your personal ties to it with your brother. Um, huge motivations there. And I love that you guys are one of the pillars is starting at a younger age. Um, I feel like that is or getting them comfortable and seeing folks that look like them uh, within national security from a younger age to make them more comfortable. Um, but sort of more of a general overarching question, um, why do you think women still are underrepresented and um, more of a marginalized group in national security at this point? 
I think some of it has to do, as you noted, with exposure. You know, if girl security looks at a lot of the STEM modeling for, you know, women's participation in the STEM field, which of course is not necessarily achieving the gains that I think most would hope for. And I think national security is even further behind because in our work, you know, of working across the country, we're very much a grassroots organization. Girls, schools, kind of the community touch points in which they might be learning about careers, it's totally off the radar for them uh, for the most part. So they're not talking about national security in the classroom and they're not learning about careers in national security as part of their career resources. So I certainly think just in terms of creating a pipeline, uh, there's definitely a deficit that we're trying to fill in that space. I also think at the undergraduate level, And this is actually one of the key interventions that we implement at that early part of undergraduate. There's not a lot of opportunities for girls and women, not to say that there aren't for others, but of course, that's the population we serve. Um, And so there is kind of a lag during their college careers if they go to college, even in community college, where they're not engaging with curriculum. They're not reading women's scholarship, which is another key intervention we're trying to implement. Oftentimes, they're not learning from women scholars or professors. And so really, you're kind of waiting until early career uh, to kind of hope that girls and women find themselves into their pathways. And then at the early career level, uh, you have a lot of impediments, you know, um, cultures that may remain toxic. And certainly we hear that a lot uh, in government and and military and the IC and the private sector. So there's a culture that doesn't necessarily reflect the experiences and needs of girls and women and others. Um, And then I think, of course, there's always the advancement issues of how do we retain girls and women who become potentially working moms or caregivers, how do we create those systems so that they can advance into leadership positions? So I think there's quite a few leaky <laughs> leaky spots along the pipeline that we can certainly all um, attend to. Sure. Uh, I mean, you mentioned impediments, uh, the exposure piece. Uh, I don't recall ever, you know, having an internship opportunity, um, you know, before graduating you know, that had to do with any sort of, whether it was a defense contractor or a federal agency, uh, I was never exposed to sort of that internship opportunity even, um, which would have been a huge factor in where I would have landed or at what timeline in my career. Um, Oh, I was just going to say, and I think part of the challenge with that too, is there are some, you know, there are uh, high school or have been high school Uh, directed internships in the national security space, I think part of it is branding, right? I mean, the the optics tend to be historically quite male. Um, And then you also have the idea, which we're also trying to shift, which is the definition of national security and the way it's represented. It doesn't reflect girls and women's experiences. And I think until we adapt those models to reflect diversity, it will be a very unfulfilling feat to try to to really push DEI in this space. Sure. Well, so what sort of ways does girl security try to highlight more women or um, more diverse voices in national security? Absolutely. I mean, our focus is really on, we always kind of say we do very little talking and we really try to create space for girls and women's voices on security. But uh, we have kind of three primary pillars. The first is which is in school learning. So we work in the classroom alongside girls and teachers to kind of explore what national security means. All of that content is developed by women in national security and also features a visible mentor, a woman from the national security field. So from kind of from top to bottom, they're engaging with 
content and optics that represent women in this space. Our fellows program, which is kind of the next piece where if girls participate at the high school level, they can apply to be a fellow. All of that is women run instruction of very advanced learning like wargaming, ethical hacking, national security law, policy, um, intelligence analysis. So we have everything is run by women as well. And it's through their voice. It's kind of the instructors who are all wonderfully distinguished, amazing women are training through their lens in a really safe and supportive environment. And so we find that to be um, a really kind of appreciated and celebrated part of our program. And then the mentor network. So we have, last year we onboarded um, 200 mentees, so 400 people we paired together. And then this year we're on path to do about 600 girls. So that might be 1,200 pairs. So those are girls and women who are paired with a woman in the space. And so again, they're kind of getting that engagement and creating that social pipeline really soon, you know, early in their careers so that they have that. And I think that's been, um, I can't say enough about our mentors who are such a, they're literally the, you know, they're, they're fundamental to the work, but it creates a culture, I think, of support and mentoring. And then oftentimes mentees go on to become mentors. And so we're really kind of building that community of support uh, so that they feel prepared in their careers. Well, and you said it best, uh, mentoring is fundamental to the national security work as a whole. Um, So tell us a little bit more about how that program works. Yeah, so girls and women can onboard into the mentoring network at any point up to age 26. And so uh, once you decide that you want to commit to the mentoring program, mentors in our network spend six months with the mentee. And really the idea is that they provide kind of an opportunity to poke their head in and kind of see what the field is all about. But most of the time, the mentors do a heck of a lot more. They help, you know, review resumes and draft cover letters. Oftentimes, they're working with them to secure internships or even jobs. So we have now four years in a lot of those success stories where those relationships are really longstanding and they don't necessarily end at the six-month period. Um, And it's an interesting representation. We have girls who come in who almost know nothing about girl security. So they don't even know about national security. And I love that because they're able to hear from a mentor who's been in the field about what national security is. And I I just think that's the best way to learn about, about all of the opportunities in this space. That's very cool. And uh, so one thing I always talk about with mentoring, um, you know, you should have at least more than one mentor, but I love that you see a lot of the relationships going past the six months because they're almost a mentor for life or for, you know, the life of that mentee's career, which is really exciting and just offering perspective, especially if they're coming in with no opinion or no knowledge about national security, they can mentors can see their mentees grow throughout their career. Um, yeah. So I, mentoring is such an important, I think it's such an important part for a woman's career, a girl entering, you know, entry level uh, career slots. So I, I think, love that. Yeah. Girl security offers that. Yeah. And I think as um, a lot of the young women in our organization, I, younger than, than I am, <laughs> um, they'll kind of talk about their peer mentoring networks. And I think that's as important too, because you kind of you're not dealing with hierarchy and you can go to your friend and say like, Hey, I had this experience. And I think too, having a mentoring program outside of an organization, you know, an employer is also important because uh, we oftentimes will hear from women, especially early on in their careers that they're afraid to 
express, you know, an issue with a higher up or whatever it may be for fear of their career being compromised, which is in and of itself problematic. But at least then they have a space that they can go to and talk to someone who may have dealt with it and say, what do I, what should I do? Or what are my options in this, in this situation? Absolutely. Having that safe space. Uh, So other resources that girl security offers women, uh, could you talk about those a little bit? Yeah. So in addition to our in-school programming, our fellows program, our mentor program, we run regular workshops on skills development. Um, We had a a public awareness campaign last year on disinformation. So we did a bunch of training on disinformation. This year is climate change. Mm -hmm. So we have amazing women at the intersection of national security and climate coming in and conducting a balance of informational and skills-based trainings. Um, We also do basic professional development, like building your LinkedIn profile, resume review, security clearance, um, some of the kind of, you know, big questions that girls and women have about um, getting into this space. And all of our programming is, is equity and trauma informed. That's a big part of our program. Our vision is forging equity and national security, which is more than just increasing the numbers of women in national security, but really um, thinking about how uh, identity and one's lived experiences can help reshape a new understanding of national security. Sure. Uh, Well, so with identity, um, any LGBTQ plus uh, resources that you could share with us today? Yeah. So one of the kind of programs that we focus on in the mentor network is is especially for mentees who self-identify. Um, we always give those folks an option to say, hey, I'd actually like to be paired with a mentor who identifies as LGBTQ plus or part of that community. So that's one way in which we make it accessible, those resources accessible. The other way in which we do it is really through our programming. So every program we run starts with a conversation about identity. And that's where we kind of create that space for girls and women to come to the table and say, I identify as X, fill in the blank, and this is how my experiences shape my understanding of national security. So by having that kind of foundational discourse at the front end of our programming, that identity narrative becomes central to both our in-school learning as well as our fellowship program. Um, So those are ways in which it's, there's great organizations. There's one called Out in National Security, which is amazing. Um, So we try to make, we try to kind of pair up and partner and highlight some of those organizations that have a dedicated mission, building off of the way in which we talk about identity in our program. Sure. And that collaboration and partnerships is another important piece to national security, Mm -hmm. especially in, you know, um, creating this narrative that I feel like wasn't talked about very much 10 years ago, even, Um, you know, talking about the um, wage disparities or even, um, you know, how women are treated in certain situations. It was very taboo. It was very hush hush. Um, And so, you know, creating that space where the conversations can be held and I think different organizations sort of backing each other um, is another important piece of it as well. I think it is too. Yeah. Normalizing uh, people's lives is mm-hmm. important and recognizing how those experiences add value to what we're talking about and not de- distract from it or detract from it, I think is very important. And I think we've made some headway, but I think there's quite a bit of progress left to be made. Absolutely. Uh, so elephant in the room and sort of where we've been over the last, you know, how long has it been? It's certainly over a year. Um, how had COVID-19 and the p- pandemic changed the way that Girl Security operated or any of the programming that you had going on? 
You know, I think in, to some extent, because we were a smaller organization when the pandemic, and we still remain a, a small organization, it didn't impact our kind of internal operations. Uh, and actually, we, we ended up hosting our scholars program, which actually informed what will now be the fellows program in response to girls and women in our network saying, hey, I lost my internship. I lost, mm -hmm. you know, a job. I don't have anything to do over the summer. We had the idea for the scholars program. So we just decided, well, let's just do it. And um, and so we pulled together this six month program, which turned out to be uh, a wonderful experience for all of us, you know, scholars included, but really for our team, we learned a lot. And so I think for us, it's been valuable to, I don't want to say the pandemic's been valuable. What's been valuable is exploring how the virtual environment can still enable mentoring. We always had e-mentoring. It was always fundamental to our program. Um, so that didn't change that. But in terms of our reach with respect to in-school learning and the skills-based training, uh, like the fellows program, it's really given us an opportunity to reach uh, more communities, which was unanticipated. So I've, I've found that um, there were trials, of course, being a mom with homeschooling kids and running an organization. But fortunately, I have an amazing team of women with whom I work who I, you know, we could not have grown as we have without them. Sure. Well, and that's the beauty of where we're at today, just being able to do things remotely. And uh, it helps you to reach more people that were probably looking for something like Girls Security, a space where they could meet other women um, who maybe experience similar issues. So tell us what's next for girls security as we enter, uh, not sure of timelines, but whatever this newer normal is leaving the pandemic behind. Tell us what's next for you guys. Yeah, I think we've really hit our stride with our programs and, um, you know, I think we'll always have a balance of different modalities. I think we'll always offer virtual learning because it does allow for access, especially in under-resourced communities where young people can't travel to a particular location. So we'll always have different modalities. Uh, with growth, you know, we're able to now, which is something also we've always wanted to do is offer stipends. So for all of our training programs, we're able to offer girls and women stipends as part of those training programs, which has been very well received and something we're quite, quite proud of. Uh, we'll continue our work with the Girl Scouts. We created the first national security patch. So we're working with them to expand that programming. Um, we're working with groups like the Naval Sea Cadets, which is great because uh, that has been a community in which, you know, the kind of service community is one in which we have engaged a lot from the mentee perspective, but it's terrific to kind of institutionalize those types of partnerships. And then I think we're, you know, we're shifting to a place where we're seeing the, the girls and women advance into the workforce and there's still a lot of change to be made. So we're going to be calling for action to make sure that we retain the workforce that's entering, especially post-pandemic when we know that uh, not only the impacts to women in the workforce are you know, quite significant, but I think from our perspective, many of whom are, are, were all national security uh, you know, backgrounds or experts, um, we're looking at the ways in which digital threats are you know, gendered and racist. So thinking of kind of what additional key interventions we can have, both from an organizational level, but also from a policy level to ensure that girls and women economically in national security can, can advance and can lead and, and become managers and decision makers as well. Wonderful. Well, so you talked a little bit about folks that are entering your programs they're poking their head in, they're sort of learning what national security is, but they're learning from different women and what their different lenses look like. Um, so I, I'm not sure that if you'd be able to put it into words, 
Um, but sort of the utopia of national security, what that workforce looks like. Um, like you said, we have a long way to go when it comes to lifting up women and um, you know giving them the same sort of opportunities that other uh, populations have had in the in the workforce or in this field or industry. Um, so, what is national security? What is a, a, the best workforce look like in your eyes? If you could put that into words. Oh, I mean, I think the the easiest answer is a diverse workforce. You know, that represents the nation. But I think there's a couple of angles to it. There's the culture aspect of national security. You know, we want women to feel comfortable expressing what their experiences may be, even if they're negative experiences. We want to see women appointed to management positions where they're tackling really complex issues. We want women's time to be valued. Uh, we want diversity of thought to be accepted. I don't. I don't imagine kind of a a peaceful national security space, but I think uh, one in which difference of opinion is actually valued, um, both systemically, you know, through the institutions and policies, is is one key one. And I think the other aspect is viewing our national security policies through an equity lens. So decisions that we make in the name of national security, you know, we're talking about the U.S. pulling out of Afghanistan and the impact that will have on women and girls, looking at every decision we make in national security through a lens of equity. How will these issues affect women, girls, and other marginalized communities? Because those issues aren't siloed. You know, they have mm-hmm. they have cascading effects that we're, we're actually, you know, watching the, the outgrowths of. And so I think there's a couple of different ways to consider what a utopia would look like. But I think an easy one is just uh, having a workforce that looks for more like more like the country is, is a good start from Excellent. the top down. <laughs> top down. Up. Well, uh, no, well said, uh, everyone. This is Lauren. She's the CEO and founder of Girls Security, a really great organization. I encourage everyone to go check them out. You can learn more at girlssecurity.org. And for more information on diversity, equity, and inclusion and national security, you can always visit news.clearancejobs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cast. For more information on career and recruiting advice, visit news.clearancejobs.com.